irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I want to first appreciate you as my listener for joining me each week for the last almost three years. I want to thank you for subscribing and sharing this podcast with your loved ones and ask that you continue to do that. Please reach out to me if you are interested in being a guest on this show. You can reach me through my website, which is NOLA Therapy. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I have physical offices in both cities. I work with clients worldwide via Skype, phone, and FaceTime. So reach out if you are looking for an intuitive psychotherapist. I would love to connect and do a complimentary call with you to see if we're a good fit and then start working together if that suits you. You can find me on social media, and I ask that you do follow me and the show on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under NOLA Therapy, and please register your email at my website. I'd love to be able to update you on things that are coming up, guests that are coming on, updates about my book on self-forgiveness and healing our core wounds with empathy. So again, go to nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A therapy.com for all of that information. And if you're moved to contribute to my work as a patron, visit the site I have with patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Moving ahead, I have a really interesting guest today who will be with us in just moments. Dr. Ronald Alexander is and has been a leader for over the past 34 years in pioneering holistic psychology somatic psychotherapy, mindfulness, and meditation. He is the director of the Open Mind Training Institute in Santa Monica, California. He's on the advisory council for the Institute for Transformational Thinking, and he has served as a faculty member at UCLA and Pepperdine Universities. Dr. Ron has taught nationally and internationally on topics including leadership coaching, mindfulness practices and approaches, and integrative and behavioral medicine. He's ordained as a Zen monk and is a former mountaineer. And I think my dad is listening today. My father is Buddhist and a former mountaineer and was is really looking forward to hearing Dr. Ron. And in his work, Dr. Ron promotes, his goal is to promote balance and harmony while teaching ways that we can alleviate our suffering. Today, we're discussing his book, Wise Mind, Open Mind, Finding Purpose and Meaning in Times of Crisis, Loss, and Change. Welcome, Dr. Ron. Oh, thank you very much, Lisa. How are you today? Oh, terrific. It's great. It's uh, raining in Southern California, so it's wonderful. There'll be lots of water and lots of snow. Yes, I'm delighted to have you on, and I wondered where you'd like to start us on this journey into mindfulness, the wise mind, the creative mind. Where would you like to begin? Well, I, 
I, th- I thought it might be nice if we started um, with a few quotes uh, from my book. I'd love that. And then with some poignant, um, what I call uh, pointing out uh, questions that I've come up with that I think your listeners uh, would gain benefit from using as a comes each day and each morning for their spiritual, psychological practices. Yes. So so I'll start with um, a quote from the Buddha. It's, do not pursue the past. Do not lose yourself in the future. The past no longer is, and the future is yet to come. Looking deeply at life as it is, in the very here and now, dwelling in stability and in freedom. And another quote that's in my book that I so generously and graciously obtained from the late Leonard Cohen, who was also uh, a student of Zen, mm. like myself, and from his poem and his song, it's called A Thousand Kisses Deep. Um, you lose your grip and then you slip into the masterpiece. You lose your grip and then you slip into the masterpiece. And a couple of um, very useful and helpful pointing out um, questions that I, I sit in meditate with each morning, mm-hmm. either in the beginning of, of my meditation practice. And I think it's important to say that I get up around 5 o'clock, and after I make coffee or chai, I go into my um, meditation room, and I meditate for 50 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. Mm-hmm. And, and I think having had a meditation practice, I'm 68 now, and I've been meditating pretty much every day since I was uh, 20 years old. Um, I think it's extremely important uh, and very formative and fundamental in creating a sense of stability, um, a sense of solidness. Uh, It's really helpful in being able to uh, move through in what I call in my book, which is Wise Mind, Open Mind, which is to move through the waves of both painful and difficult thoughts and thinking, as well as to move through the waves of joy and bliss and, and peace, and as well as in to generate waves of resiliency and vitality. And that that's something that um, I think every person listening um, may want to take a look at, and that may be a well that they want to drink from, and it doesn't matter uh, whether it's the mindfulness well or the Zen meditation well. Um, in my book, I write about that. All paths will eventually take you um, to the same great ocean of time and space and oneness. But unless you immerse yourself and first start drinking at the stream of either meditation or prayer or contemplation or a yogic practice or a Tai Chi Chuan practice or some kind of contemplative spiritual practice, 
it's very difficult to get to the great ocean of oneness um, because all the streams and all the waters come down from the mountains and they empty into the oceans. And it's very, it's very important that a person has a compass uh, to be able to navigate meditatively through difficult times and uh, happy times. And Lao Tzu, who wrote this wonderful little book called the Tao Te Ching, wrote about that there are 10,000 sorrows and there are the 10,000 joys. And I've personally experienced uh, over the last 45 uh, years I've experienced the importance of meditating on a daily basis and discovering uh, how it has kept my boat of self uh, very even, and it's been a wonderful compass and, and a, a wonderful rudder. And so some of the questions that I ask myself in the morning are, why, why not, why not you? And why not now? Yes. Why? Why not? Why not you? And why not now? And there's just two other uh, really important quotes that I've written down. Um, they might be in my book. It's not what happens. Rather, it's what you do about what happens. What happens is usually the same in life. But what you choose to do is what is the crucial difference in terms of how you're going to be creating your life or you're going to be rolling out with either the joy and the ecstasy and the pleasure or the pain and the sorrow and the uh, affliction. And another very important guiding quote that I like to work with is, live here, deal with what is present rather than what is absent. You create what you receive. You, know, you create what you receive and set your mind each and every day in meditation. Set your mind on what you intend or what you want to happen, and that's what you will manifest. Beautiful. Dr. Ron, how can mindfulness and meditation help us with crisis, loss, and change? Mindfulness provides us with a very solid and stable base. It's similar to the rudder in a sailboat, so that when the winds of sorrow or the waves of loss or the waters of change are flooding into the boat of yourself, mindfulness because it allows us to look deeply at our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own sensations, our own waves of energy. Mindfulness becomes a compass that allows us to navigate and allows us to ride through those winds of change, ride through those uh, 
waves of pain, sorrow, grief, loss, and most importantly, mindfulness allows us to have a generative quality in our self-experience. And what I mean by that, a generative, you know, what, what's a generative quality of self-experience? Well, it's by meditating and applying mindfulness, you begin to generate your life and your worldly experience. Set your mind on what you want, and it will manifest. If you think and you dwell on painful and afflictive and depressive and sorrowful thoughts all day long, and you, you stay with what we say primarily in the right prefrontal cortex, which is the location of pessimism, mm. depression, pain, sorrow, um, your neuronal brain structure will continue to generate more and more neuronal train tracks that create more pessimism and more despair and more melancholia. However, if you practice mindfulness, what we've discovered is you can shift your awareness. And awareness is, is what allows us to remember that we have to put the rudder in the boat of self. We have to look at the coordinates that are on the compass in terms of are we going left into optimism, left prefrontal cortex, mm. in creativity? Mm-hmm. Are we generating and having that generative quality of optimism, creativity, uh, joyful feelings, feelings of love, feelings of being at one with ourselves, with being at one with nature, being at one with the people that we, we love? Or is the rudder of the boat of self, is it up in the air? And if you've ever done any kind of boating or sailing, as I have, because um, I was an Eagle Boy Scout, and one of the merit badges was uh, sailing. Yes. And, and I, I know that you're a fellow mount, mountaineer uh, also, and that if you don't put your uh, fixtures... right. I call them pitons into the, into the stone, but now they're appliances. If you don't put them into the wall, there's no support. You know, the, there's no rope to catch you. And mindfulness is a, is a containing method of self meditative inquiry that really gives us that harness and it gives us mm. that rope, gives us those appliances so that it can catch us. Um, when we fall down, and we all, the the very first noble truth that the Buddha taught was inherent in taking form in this incarnation is that there is going to be suffering. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha told this wonderful story. A woman came to him, and her three-month-year-old infant had uh, died during the the night, and she brought uh, the infant's dead body to the Buddha, and she was crying and, and wailing, and she said, I will do anything uh, if you can bring my baby back to life. 
why why has God brought this suffering on me? Why mm-hmm. me? And so the Buddha, in his infinite wisdom, he said, I would like you to go and find a mustard seed at a house throughout all of India where there, number one, nobody has ever died. Number two, nobody has ever gotten sick. And number three, nobody has had to age. And if you can bring me back that mustard seed from that home, Mm. I will create a miracle and bring your baby back to life. Ten years later, the woman comes to the Buddha, and at that point, she had already shaved her head. She donned the robes of becoming a Buddhist nun, and she sat there crying in front of him, Mm. and she bowed three times to him, and she said, I deeply and prophetically understand now, and I I want to study with you. Mm. And so it's a great teaching for, for all of us that nobody in the first noble truth inherent in taking form, you know, we all take form, regardless of whether one believes in whether we reincarnate or we, we don't, um, in this life, everybody has to face the challenge that we're going to feel anxious, we're going to suffer from depression, as many gains as we're going to have in life, we're going to have losses, and they're going to really hurt. We're going to have to deal with, depending upon what's in your spiritual DNA or what's in your cultural DNA, you're going to have to deal with, like I come from a long line of Irish men and women. You know, we go back uh, at least uh, a thousand to two thousand years, and so there's depression, there's melancholia. All the great Irish poets uh, had to deal with bipolar disorder. Um, so, I, I personally have utilized meditation as to really help anchor me to get through times when I've really in horrible suffering. I've really been in the rabbit hole of the dark night of the soul. Yes. Of that, you know, real deep depression that Winston Churchill, he had it. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln had it. Um, And meditation, mindfulness especially, has really guided me uh, through those uh, extremely dark times. And other people, uh, fortunately, I didn't get the gene of addiction, but people have to deal with sex addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, food addictions. Um, Thoreau said um, from his own meditation practice, he said, be aware of all activities that involve shopping. (laughs) 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 Because he said that would be a great distraction from uh, merging and becoming uh, at one with the unitive in the, in the cosmic consciousness so that we all when we take form and we incarnate every single one of us on planet earth at some moment or series of ex- very very extended moments are going to be dealing with change uh, and why I, the subtitle of my book is finding purpose and meaning in times of crisis loss and change yes. um, is that the Buddha taught 
that inherent intaking form is that what we can count on is impermanence. And what does that mean? Well, impermanence means that um, it's, it's like the great line uh, in Herman Hesse, the wonderful uh, novelist, mm-hmm. in his book, Siddhartha. And he, he, he te- Siddhartha says to his friend Gotama, at the very, very uh, end of each of their lives, Gotama uh, into his boat, and at the end of Siddhartha's life, uh, Siddhartha is a ferry boat man taking people across the river. And Govindas says to um, Siddhartha, so in all these years that we've been uh, wandering and studying, it was something like 60, 65 years, what is it, what's the most salient, most um, precious uh, truth that you discovered? And Siddhartha takes a, a while to answer, and then he says, look at the river. The river is constantly changing, mm. and yet, as a river, it always stays the same. And that's the principle of impermanence. That there's a quality of sameness in, in how we are born, we live, we grow old, and we die. And then there's the constancy of impermanence, that what's guaranteed is not that things are going to stay stable, and not that things are going to stay solid, but what's guaranteed, the Buddha said, is there's going to be constant fluctuations in permanence, that you, what you can count on is that you can count on change. That's mm-hmm. what you can count and from a meditator's perspective, and also as a, a psychologist, as a transpersonal psychologist, transformation on the positive side is wondrous, and it's creative, and it's our journey that we're always learning new things, we're growing, we're changing, we're discovering. And then on the painful side is that no matter how deep the loss if you're willing to take up the opportunity to immerse yourself in a therapeutic process, either with a therapist or with a, a, a guide or a guru uh, or a spiritual teacher or a meditative practice or a series of psychological practices, that you will get through the darkest of the dark moments and that the, the sun will come out after it rains, the sun always will return. And that mindfulness meditation, as I've practiced it, has always delivered me to that as a living, breathing reality. Dr. Ron, as I'm hearing you speak, my inner being is saying yes, yes, yes. As a mindfulness practitioner and meditation student of meditation, a daily meditator, uh, my inner being is in full agreement. What I'm curious about is how do you teach your clients, how do you work with people to embrace meditation? And the conversation causes me to reflect on a point in your book where my heart was in my throat, where I was reading about the couple you worked with that lost a child. 
and the way you work with them. And I wondered if you could offer listeners who have all kinds of ideas about meditation, just some more practical applications and how you work with individuals in this way. Um, would you like the practical applications more than the story of the couple? It's up to you. What do you feel led to, to share first? Uh well, I think I'll give you some practical, and then if there's time, I'll reflect the story of a couple because I think that's a, a wonderful example. It is of of a very trans, transformative um, therapeutic process of profound grief and loss. Um, in the pointing out instructions that that I give all of my students, um, and for example, I'm I'm going to be giving a, a seminar up at the 1440 University, uh, February 22nd to 24th, up in Sunnyvale, Northern California. Um, it's a weekend called Mind, Mood, and Happiness and Transforming the Self. Yes. And in, the, in that weekend, I, I will go in very deep dive into much more extensive um, explanation of uh, meditative and psychological tools. But for right now... Um, for all the listeners, I suggest that when they sit down, that they sit down, and you can sit in a cross-legged position, you can sit in a chair with your feet on the floor, uh, and your back against uh, a very firm chair, or you can sit cross-legged or have your feet uh, facing outward up against the wall. You can Close your eyes or keep your eyes open. If you're comfortable with your eyes closed, you focus your awareness and attention on the tip of your nostrils. Some people like to focus on the third eye um, because they get a lot of very uh, rich and textured imagery. And the best thing to do is to have your thumb and your first finger together, and that's a mudra called Gyan Mudra. And it's a mudra that takes one into a deep meditative state with your palms facing upward. And then I like to suggest that people begin to just follow and start with attention to the breath. So just start with a basic breath practice where they're breathing into the abdomen and then up into the lungs, through the nose. And they're just repeating this first uh, aspect of a meditation that um, I created in the mental word that you repeat on that in-breath is arising. And then you hold the breath subtly, and you repeat the word existing. And as you're holding your breath for one, two, or three counts, you pay attention, and you make just subtle mental notes of what is arising. And then you let the breath go so you empty the lungs, and then you empty the abdomen, and you mentally repeat the word falling away. And then as the exhale relaxes, and you take a series of in-breaths and out-breaths, that you just repeat the word spacious awareness, spacious awareness. And this fourth aspect of mental repetition takes us a step beyond uh, basic essential mindfulness practice and takes us into a, a more sophisticated discipline called the Advaita non-dual 
system. So it takes us into a place of resting in spacious mm. awareness. And when we rest in spacious awareness, we're allowed to experience a pristine, non-dual, perfectly unified quality of oneness where nothing is absent and everything is present. And we're not separate, but we're actually one with everything. We're one with the trees, the animals. We're one with fellow other beings, other Buddha beings. And there's that integration at a primary level of being able to understand emptiness and fullness. Or as we say in uh, Zen Buddhism, there's a sutra called the Prajna Padamita Sutra. And in essence, the translation from Japanese is from nothingness comes everythingness. Mm. And everythingness returns to nothingness. So from nothingness comes everythingness, and from everythingness we return back to nothingness. Mm -hmm. And so this meditative exercise of first following arising, mentally repeating it, keeping your awareness at the tip of, of your nose or up at your third eye, and then holding the breath for one, two, or three counts, and mentally repeating well, existing, paying attention to well, what exists when we're meditating? Usually it's thought. And so what kinds of thought exists? Well, what the Buddha taught is that there's three qualities of, of thought. There's wholesome thoughts, which are positive. There are neutral thoughts, which are simply neutral, kind of vanilla. And then there are unwholesome thoughts that are painful and afflictive. What else exists? Well, same thing. There's wholesome, neutral, and unwholesome feelings. Wholesome, neutral, and unwholesome sensations that occur in the body. And then if we take it into a, an even further uh, level of refinement, energies. What wholesome energies mm -hmm. are present when we're meditating? what kind of quality of neutral energy is present when we're meditating, and what kinds of um, disturbing uh, or disruptive energies are present that are unwholesome uh, when we're meditating. And when we let go of that, those three or four pr prisms that we're, uh, or lenses that we're looking through, at our own subjective self-experience when we're meditating of thought, feeling, sensation, and energy, then we can repeat falling away and we let the breath go. And that's a very important part of this meditation that I designed is because it particularly helps us move through change because everything is going to be arising in our life moment by moment. In every moment, 
there's the now. And then in this moment, there's a new now. And then in this moment, there's a new now. Mm-hmm. And our task as a meditator, and when we're helping people through loss, when I'm doing psychotherapy, is to have them be able to navigate and live through the painful and the unwholesome and the afflictive times to then let go. Mm. The healing agent in all transformational change, whether it be psychological change or uh, spiritual change or psycho-spiritual change, is the capacity to navigate, to feel, to live through the most horrendous suffering that we can humanly embrace and to know that it's existing and this meditation really is a terrific compass for that and then we repeat falling away everything's falling away Mm -hmm. we're letting go When, when you fall away you have to let go in order to get to the top of the mountain to the bottom when I'm skiing I have to let go. Mm -hmm. I have to exhale. I have to bend my knees and relax and just simply trust that it's a process of letting go. And then last, of course, is that Advaita uh, Vedic uh, component of dwelling in stability and in freedom by repeating spacious awareness we become aware that by cultivating an increased sense of awareness through meditation, we also increase more spaciousness. And so, for example, if I'm feeling afraid, let's say I'm, I'm climbing a mountain, and I'm feeling really afraid because I'm going to go out on like an 11.88 percent mm, yes. where there's nothing below. It's total exposure. And yet I've got to stick my left foot out and reach my right arm up with my two or three fingers grab hold to some sort of tiny little crack up above. I have to trust. Mm -hmm. I have to trust. And in that trusting, it creates space inside the body so that my arm can go up and extend out. And that's a metaphor for what we need to embrace and how we can learn to live more gracefully and more fluidly, whether we're climbing a mountain or skiing. These are metaphors. Or like if I'm in the water in Maui and I'm surfing and I get crashed and knocked up on on the waves, is to trust, go back out, stand up, breathe deeply, and catch the next wave. That we there's a spacious aspect that meditation will deliver us to. It yes. helps with change. It helps with moving through um, times of loss. And meditation is especially important when you're undergoing a, a crisis. More, I taught more seminars from 2008, which when was the Great Depression financial crash Mm -hmm. to about 2015 than I did in my entire career. I probably taught more students. And that's because people were really needing 
to drink at the well yes. of uh, meditative experience. How did you work with the couple who lost their child? Okay, this couple came to me. And, well, first of all, I got a phone call, and it was from a former uh, graduate student. And the graduate student was, was a, a Catholic, and uh, I had once just joked that I come from Boston. I'm an Irish Catholic Hindu Buddhist. <laughs> That's and, great. Right. It was at Pepperdine University and, uh, and the doctoral program. So this one student remembered that, that, oh, Catholic Hindu Buddhist. So <laughs> she was working at a counseling center. And this couple had been there for about nine months um, doing grief counseling. And the, both of them, the husband and the wife, they really were getting worse. And it's because they lost in a, um, a car accident uh, the, their two little girls and their one little boy. Oh. Uh, their uh, nanny was driving them uh, to a... a a play date, and the drunk driver crossed the lanes and smashed into their van, and uh, the three children were killed instantly. Uh, the nanny survived. And the parents had been at this counseling center, and they were doing grief work, and they were just getting worse. I mean, mm -hmm. they were, they, nothing was turning around for them. So this uh, student of mine, who was the director of the center, consulted with the uh, counselor and said, how would you feel if we we've made a referral? Because I, I think this is a little bit over your head. Yes. Um, I, so she called me up and she said, I remember that you said that you were a, a Hindu B Buddhist Catholic. I have a couple who are Catholics, and they asked me if, they, if I knew anybody that was a Buddhist Catholic mm. or a Catholic Buddhist. And so um, I said to her, okay, yep, that's me. And so they came to me, and in the first two or three meetings, they were both filled with so much grief oh. and so much despair, so much unbearable loss. They, they say that there's two of the most painful losses to endure while we're on planet Earth is the death of a child before you yourself die or the death of your spouse or partner or a lover. Mm -hmm. but, and usually people experience one, but very rarely, you know, do they come across that, you know, experiencing the loss of three uh, yes. children. And so in the first weeks that I started working with them, I could feel how frozen they were in their grief and how immovable and intractable the grief was. And so I suggested that instead of us talking about the loss, that we do something a little bit unusual. And I didn't use the, the term pray. I said, I'd like to teach you meditation, yes. mindfulness meditation. And what I'd like us to do is we're going to meditate for 15 minutes every week, and then for 15 minutes, when the timer goes off, I'll, I'll set another timer. And that's just a time period where if any of either one of us 
any of the three of us wants to say anything, that then we will say something, and we can talk. And if not, then we won't talk. Okay. And so for the first couple of weeks, we would meditate, and then there were really no words. The wife would cry for long periods of time. The husband was completely frozen with so much grief. He couldn't feel anything. Mm. In the third or the fourth uh, therapy session, um, prior to it, um, I had a sense that it might be really helpful if in addition to um, meditating with them, that I also put them in a couple of yogic poses. Ah. And so I put them in down dog. And then after down dog, I put them in um, Irva Danya Asana, which is the wheel pose. The wheel, yes. And they came out of those yogic poses, and they sat back up, and they both, like ripe peaches, just began crying and sobbing. And so I, I worked with them for about three months, and it shifted so that <clears throat> there was a shorter amount of meditation in what I call yogic therapy, and then there was more uh, traditional psychotherapy around grief counseling. Mm -hmm. So about week 13, 14, I, I was meditating before they came in, and I saw the map of India in my third eye. And I thought, wow, that's, that's an interesting uh, avenue, because I've been to India many times, yeah. and in India you see dead bodies everywhere. I mean, there's children that are on the riverside, infants mm. that, that just left uh. to be washed into the water. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an experience. And if you go to, to the ancient city of Banaras, which is now called Varanasi, um, it's the place where in, in India you can learn the most um, about death process because it's the auspicious city where the Hindus believe that if you are cremated in Banaras and if you can't afford the wood to be cremated, if you're just dropped into the river there, that your soul will transmigrate um, in, to the next incarnation uh, with great uh, blessing. Mm -hmm. And so I called... Uh, my old mentor, Ramdas, and I said to him, I've got this really difficult case. Um, that these folks have lost three children, um, and it's going pretty slow. And that I had this visualization of, of the map of India, which I think my intuition is telling me I think I should send them to India. Mm -hmm. So he said to me, he said, well, let's meditate together. And so we meditated, and he said, Ron, I think that's a really, really good idea to send them to India as part of their healing process. Yes. Because they'll learn how to meditate, they'll learn how to do yoga. And so I was able to uh, arrange for them to uh, work with a humanitarian in, in, uh, in Calcutta with the sick and the dying. And so they traveled, studied, and they worked in Calcutta. And they came back six months later, mm -hmm. back into the office, and they were utterly transformed. Yes. 
and the wife uh, enrolled in medical school and became a pediatrician and is currently working for uh, a humanitarian aid uh, organization for children uh, in various parts of third world countries and in, 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 uh, the world. Um, and the husband went back into his business and was able to do business from what he called a transformative spiritual perspective where he no longer was selling things, even though he was, mm-hmm. like buying and selling companies. But <clears throat> he used every conversation of every day that he had with anybody as both a business conversation but also as a conversation he said to help awaken them and if he could feel that they were suffering in any any way that he would tell them uh, his story of uh, his pain his suffering and how meditation and yoga and and therapy had helped to transform him and his his wife's uh, life so they were both utterly transformed by my helping them to embrace I mean, just think about it. You've lost three children, and your therapist suggests that you go to India. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. And you go in to Varanasi where you see from the early morning to late at night people being cremated, babies, small children, young adults, mid-level adults, old-age people. And then you see people being tossed in the river of uh, to transmigrate and then they go and they work in Calcutta and they're working with the sick and the dying and it was an extraordinary and profoundly transforming experience for them and also for me um, because it helped me to trust that ordinarily as a Western psychotherapist I would say God that's kind of transference you know <laughs> I got a map of India in my third eye maybe I need to take a trip to, to India but I actually um, by getting the support from Ramdas, we came up with that. No, no, that's not counter-transference. That's your intuition. That's guidance coming from a spiritual uh, perspective that's giving a clinical and a spiritual and a transformative roadmap for them that will really help them to transform this unbearable pain and loss to something that could be born and then, of course, they actually utilized it to transform their own personal lives um, and to help with alleviating pain and suffering in uh, so many other people's lives. The, the woman as a physician and the man as a businessman. Yes. It reminds no longer, me. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say what you're speaking of before we end for today reminds me of the last poem you quote you offer in your book from Faust saying, trust your own innate knowing and the energy moving within you. Life speaks to you through your deepest longing and guides you with every step. As soon as you trust yourself, you will know how to live. Yes, very beautiful. How how can uh, listeners find you, Dr. Ron, and then finish what you were about to say as well, please. Pardon my interruption. Sure. Um, The easiest way to find me is www.ronald.com alexander.com um, and or um, 310-395-2243 is my uh, office uh, voicemail and my institute's web address is openmindtraininginstitute.com 
And my book is Wise Mind, Open Mind. Um, you can get that on Amazon, and my CDs are on uh, CD Baby uh, in Amazon. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. It was a delight to uh, participate with you today. Um, I think you're doing great, wonderful work by having speakers like myself uh, on your show. Thank you. Just being in your presence is comforting, Dr. Ron, and I feel that you really embody all the years that you have spent in meditation and, and wanting to help us all transform our pain into something that is peaceful and a gift and, and of service and just, I feel, shifted sitting with you. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, you're very, very welcome. It was an absolute pleasure and delight. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in the future. All right. Take good care. You as Bye. well. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with Dr. Ronald Alexander discussing his book, Wise Mind, Open Mind. You can find him at ronaldalexander.com and at his institute, openmindtraininginstitute.com. I hope everyone has a really wonderful week and I look forward to being with you next week. So tune in again and take care. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of All Things Therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash allthingstherapy now and enjoy. Do you want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio.